0: Amen, amen. I wonder if we can just lift up the name of Jesus for a moment. Just lift him up all over this place, just for a moment. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your truth, O God. Hallelujah. For your peace that passes understanding, Lord Jesus. You are awesome and holy. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody, in Jesus' name, to our first half of service right here at the Church of Omaha. It is a blessing to be here in the house of the Lord with you all. I look forward to the times where we can come together in one accord, amen? And I'd like to welcome everybody who is joining us online here this morning, and we are praying for you in Jesus' name. And if you are watching online and you haven't stopped by the Church of Omaha yet, I encourage you to do so. I would love to get to know you, and we would love to connect with you, amen? Amen. Amen. My main text for this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 16. And as you are turning there in your Bibles, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word. I'm going to begin with verse number 25. John 16, 25. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not, Unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father Himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out of God, out from God, excuse me. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou comest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. For our time together this morning, I want to spend the next few minutes teaching and preaching right from the words of Jesus. My title this morning is, Be of Good Cheer. Be of good cheer. And as you're taking your seats, let us pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, help us today and every day to be hearers and doers of your word, to study, to show ourselves approved. Lord, help me today, God, to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you and your word that goes forth today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. 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 In the verses leading up to this passage that I just read, Jesus lays it all out quite plainly, reiterating to the disciples of things to come. He tells them to not be offended when they are put out of synagogues. He tells them that there will be weeping and lamenting. He tells them that there will be sorrow. He tells them that they will be scattered, isolated. And ending all of this by declaring to them, be of good cheer. Why? Because he's coming back again. Why? Because he says, I have overcome the world. Even though in the world you have tribulation or you will have tribulation, Jesus is telling you, be of good cheer. We know from this passage and others that Jesus had to leave In order to return again, it could not and would not make sense any other way. In looking at the phrase, be of good cheer, another way we could see this being said is is like this. And some versions say, Don't lose heart, while others say, take heart. Jesus is telling his disciples this because he knows of the times to come. Somebody say he knows. And to that, he knows the times to come for you. And today is telling you, be of good cheer. If you have chosen this day to follow Jesus, being a hearer and a doer of the word, then this is for you. If you come here today and you're still on the fence about your relationship with Jesus, this is also for you. For you who have chosen Jesus this day, Jesus knows The end from the beginning, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say that, and I don't know if you've read it, but I have read the end of the book, and guess what? We win. What better reason would there be to be of good cheer when we know that we will be victorious in the end? What better reason would there be to be of good cheer when we know that the enemy knows his days are numbered? But before I get into anything further on this, I do want to take some time to break down this phrase, be of good cheer, because the understanding of it will help with the rest of our time together today. When we read or hear be of good cheer, this term is a single word in the Greek, which means that it is used as such. In the seven times that this word is used, this phrase is used in Scripture, it can be read as either... Be of good cheer or be of good comfort. When one chooses to be of good cheer, it is likened unto a warm confidence or a heart that is warmed. In other words, it's that comfort. It is God also empowering the believer with a bold inner attitude. Boldness is another term that is used to describe be of good cheer. Why? Because when Jesus said this, there was a boldness that came upon each of them. In fact, it was just a few verses prior where Jesus, in verse number 7 of chapter 16, said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. At the time, the disciples may have still had some questions. But it wouldn't have taken them long to realize that Jesus was pointing to his spirit dwelling inside of them. And that spirit giving them power. Before his ascension, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And if I can just reiterate again, that power, oh, that power only comes by Jesus dwelling inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It only comes after an experience like they had in the upper room just days later when they all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That same experience still happens today, oh hallelujah, when you see people filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time, you can see the good cheer written all over them. Why? Because Jesus is dwelling inside of them. That good cheer, as I mentioned already, births a boldness that one cannot contain. (laughs) That boldness to say, hey, it's not just me that needs it. It's my mama that needs it. It's my daddy that needs it. It's my brother that needs it. It's my sister that needs it. It's my mother-in-law that needs it. It's my father-in-law that needs it. It's anybody that needs it. We all need that experience. Somebody say amen. Just making sure you're all with me this morning. Hallelujah. Say, we all need it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. And since you know that power that comes upon you, since you have experienced it, you can help others experience the same thing. I know this may be a little far-fetched from the path that you may have thought, but boldness. What about boldness? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's that boldness that only comes from God. It's that boldness that clothes itself as good cheer. It's that boldness that comes when He dwells in you. It's that boldness that comes and comforts because when you have Jesus in here, since Jesus has overcome the world, no matter what may come your way, you can be of good cheer. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. <laughs> I had something interesting happen to me um, on the way home from work the other day. I love when God just does the things that he does and gets my attention in ways that maybe I wasn't expecting, but he does it anyway. Thank you, Jesus. I was on my way home from work the other day. A a song came across the radio titled, Don't Lose Heart. And instantly, my mind began to race and wander with thoughts and, and scriptures of ways to not lose heart. I began to pray to God and say, Lord, whatever may come my way, help me not to lose heart. Whatever may come my way, I just felt so impressed to say, Lord, it doesn't matter what comes my way. Help me not to lose heart. And this is where it gets interesting. Because someone say, he's still working on me. Hallelujah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Guess what happened when I got home? And my wife can attest to this. She's in here now. Amen. I received something in the mail from my insurance provider stating that a certain medical cost would not be covered. Hmm. Oh, boy, right? I thought I had all my ducks in a row, so to speak. And so I see this piece of mail, and my mind begins to wonder, what it might be, I hadn't opened it yet, I don't really take much thought about it because uh, before opening it, I just set it on the counter and I'm I'm like, I don't know what that is but I'm just gonna let it be there. I bring the letter to the table then, I open it and my heart just sinks. Why wasn't this cost covered? Right, Tabby? I, I got a little bit upset about that. What happened? Great, what am I gonna do now? the thoughts began to swirl around in my head. It wasn't 10 minutes before this moment that I opened that letter that God was reminding me not to lose heart. Why? He saw that piece of mail get delivered to my house. He saw the person in Maryland preparing to send that piece of mail. He saw the person who was entering the data into the system stating that this cost would not be covered. He saw me doing what I would normally do when I contact the pharmacy to fill this prescription. He knew. He knew. And I am thankful that we serve a God who knows what we need when we need it. The God who is always on time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, who is closer than a brother, to when my mind started to race as to why, the Lord nudged me on the shoulder saying, Trev, don't lose heart. In fact, he spoke such a reminder through my wife, who, bless her heart, tried to reason as to why, saying, well, something must have happened. Something must have been entered in wrong. Meanwhile, my, fate, my, my head is still stirring a bit, and then I'm reminded, hey, what did I just remind you of, Trev? Don't lose heart. I have overcome the world. Can I tell someone that it's okay to get reminders from God? (laughs) Can I tell someone that God reminds you in times like this because he loves you? I'm thankful that he loves me enough to remind me, to nudge me, to lead me, to show me the way more perfectly. To give me these reminders to be of good cheer, to not lose my heart, to not lose my mind, if you will, but to stay focused on Him. To stay focused on Him when something doesn't go as planned. To stay focused on Him when something happens that is out of my control. You know, I I posted something on Facebook the other day about people who are schedule-driven. I'll be honest I have a I try to keep a certain schedule throughout my day and sometimes it drives other people's nuts Uh, but I do that to try to keep my own sanity right but what happens when a wrench is thrown here or a wrench is thrown there what do you think I do maybe just a little bit just be like oh why did that happen now I got to get back on track again and then sometimes I just you know uh, I try to catch up back to where I was. But, 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 but to stay focused on him, even when your schedule gets, you know, broken up. When, when somebody throws a wrench in your schedule, right? Anybody ever had that happen? Where something's just thrown a wrench in your schedule and you, pff, your whole day's just gone. But God is still God. Just stay focused on him. To stay focused on him when I am affected by something happening in the world. I know I may be preaching to the choir when I say it, but let me just remind you that since Jesus said it, that settles it. Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. That is persecution, affliction, distress. You may feel the world pressing you on all sides. You may feel the world trying to mold you into an image that is not that of Christ. You may feel as though you are restricted, but church, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. The Savior of the world has overcome the world. He already, he overcame the world as it was back in the times that I was reading he already overcame the world in the way we see it now he already overcame the world in the days to come be of good cheer oh hallelujah go with me to the book of second corinthians chapter 4 starting with verse number 8 it says we paul says we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body for which we live for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh and then down to verse number 15 for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but, that, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory." While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul here, to the church in Corinth, as well as a few other places we read in his other letters, speaks on this being troubled on every side, on being perplexed, but does not just talk about the negative, as I just read, for he knows and wants to remind them that even though these things are what they are, that they are not distressed, that they are not in despair, that they are not forsaken, and that they are not destroyed. Oh, and if that if we are delivered unto death, that it is to be for Jesus' sake. Not just death, but everything we do, to be for the sake of Jesus. Furthermore, Paul states something intriguing about the outward man and the inward man. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I didn't read it, but just a few verses before that, Paul writes on the treasure in earthen vessels. Who are the earthen vessels? It's you. It's me, it's everyone who makes that decision each day to serve the Lord over the things of the world. We are the vessel that He fills with His boldness, His goodness, His spirit, His grace, His love, His joy, His peace, His word. Since His word is in our hearts, and if you have received His word and take it upon yourself to heed to it, you are this earthen vessel in which His treasure can be placed. Oh, and because the outward man is just the flesh, it will pass away, however that may come. The inner man, the place where Jesus dwells, is renewed day by day. <laughs> day by day we faint not, because we are renewed. How many of you believe His mercies are new every morning? It is written. How many of you believe you can be renewed each day? day it is written hallelujah the believers in corinth knew that christ was raised and that his resurrection was an earnest and assurance of theirs the hope of this resurrection would and still does encourage on a day where you suffer and are you ready sets us above the fear of death Furthermore, the sufferings they were to endure would be the advantage of the church, would be for the advantage of the church. I know Bishop's not in here, and I don't want to steal any thunder from him, but as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of a story that he told, and he's told it a few times, whether it was to me personally or to the church as a whole, and and I may get a couple aspects incorrect, but but when he was pastoring back in Maine, he had a a wealthy family come through, a family that had a lot of money. When they approached him one day and told him that he needed to change what, what he was teaching, the way he was teaching, the way he was preaching... You bo- he boldly claimed to them and said, I'm not for sale. The gospel is not for sale. And church, I can tell you right now that this rings true in our bishop, and it flows down through the rest of the church that, is, that this gospel is not for sale. Money will not change the word. We should not stray away from it because of an enticing offer to be bought out. To bring that all back, you may suffer because of your decision to follow Christ and stay true to his word. But look what's coming. Eternal life. Eternal life is in the future of those who buy the truth and sell it not. This is the comfort that we have. This is our renewal day by day. Eternal life is coming. And what a joy that will bring. Oh, I'm getting ready to sing. You want to sing with me? What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see and I look upon His face the one who saved me by His grace when He takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can just thank him for a moment. (laughs) Can we just thank him for the promise of eternal life? Thank you, Lord for understanding that this world is not my home. And one day, oh, one day, I will see you face to face. And want to hear you say, well done, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The next part of this passage really got my wheels a-turning, where Paul writes for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, eternity is a long time. That's right. And the affliction that we face here on this side of heaven ails in comparison to eternity. Now, in no way am I attempting to discount suffering, persecution, or anything like that. But hear me. When you have your mind made up to follow him no matter the cost, there is nothing, I repeat, there is nothing that will stand in your way. There is no trial There's no affliction, no persecution, nothing, nothing, nothing that compares to what's to come for those who believe. When I think about the Lord and what He's done for me, He's already done enough. Christ's work on the cross and the tomb and beyond is all I need. I thank God that He didn't stop with that and that He still loves me enough to work on me. Amen? But for a moment... For a moment, these things that happen here, if you can imagine in comparison to eternity, and you look upon a large beach with grains of sand covering every edge, that suffering compared to eternity is but a grain of sand. Can someone remind me who wrote this letter to Corinth? Thank you, Paul. And what kind of suffering did Paul endure? A lot. If Paul could call his heavy and long-continued trials light, but for a moment, I better keep going. On one hand, I thank God that he still cares for me, even though my suffering is such a small thing compared to eternity. On the other hand, we realize further that being with him in glory, these problems will not follow you. They cannot follow you, they are temporal, they will not last. The only things that will last are that which Paul writes, but these things which are not seen are eternal, further encouraging the believer to look off from the things which are seen, ceasing to seek for worldly advantages or to fear present distresses and look toward the plan that Jesus has of a hope and a future." This hope in a future is that which stirs up our faith to continue. As the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, the writer starts the chapter with, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So how is it that we continue to be of good cheer? It's faith. Faith, the substance of things hoped for. Faith, the evidence of things not seen. There's an interesting correlation to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in looking to that which is unseen. And this very passage here, which talks about the evidence of things not seen. When we read faith is the substance, it gives the sense of something foundational, basic and concrete. A concrete reality upon which other things are built. Since faith comes through Christ, it is Christ that is first that chief cornerstone, and our faith is that which is built upon Christ, is the the foundation to that which is laid. So Christ, and then faith. Upon that, everything else is built. What faith is not is something that is imaginary. It is not some product of the mind fabricated from one's own dreams. No, it is that which is firm, solid, and real. It has substance. When I think of this substance, it is that which I can hold on to. I liken that to when Peter, in the middle of the storm on the boat with, 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 his, with his brothers, for those of you who know about boats and storms, it's not ideal when there is a storm because your boat does things that are beyond your control. So there they are in the boat. Jesus bids Peter to step out of the boat. At the moment, we do not read of any doubt from Peter while Peter is still in the boat. Now, mind you, he's focusing on Jesus. We don't even read of where Peter doubted maybe the first couple of steps. I don't know how many steps Peter took. It wasn't until Peter began to doubt where he began to worry. The wind picked up, and Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. He, he might have looked toward the wind and said, where is that wind coming from? And it wasn't until that time that he began to sink into the water just a little bit. At that point, he began to sink. If you can imagine being Peter for a moment, imagine Jesus bidding you to come out of the boat, Jeff. Imagine him bidding you to come out of the boat and your focus is on him. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You feel the wind come. Maybe that wind picks up as a bill that was unexpected or a doctor visit that did not go as planned or a diagnosis that came as a surprise or a car that broke down or whatever it may be, the wind knocks you off course. As Peter began to sink Jesus reached out to him. And, oh, this gets me every time I talk about it. You see, Peter, stand up, Jeff. I want you to be Jesus. We're going to be about this far away. You stop, stop right there. I'm going to be walking towards you. And the wind begins to blow. Oh, oh, no. And I begin to sink, and Jesus reaches out for Peter. And he grabs Peter, and and Peter reaches back to Jesus. But listen, Peter reached out for Jesus. But what could what could he have done otherwise? What didn't he do? He didn't look back at the boat. Who, who he knew, he, he knew full well that if he got back into that boat, he would be okay. But he reached for Jesus, who wasn't on the boat, who was walking on water, the only one who could walk on water, even though Peter started to, he looked at him. Jesus picked him up and said, Oh, you of little faith, I I have he had compassion on him, and he lifted him up. Some of you in this place need to reach for Jesus. Some of you have let the waves let you crash around you for for too long. Some of you have let the waves and the wind blow you off course for too long. You may have looked to the left or to the right. Hallelujah. Rather than looking back to the boat, we need to start looking toward Jesus. When Jesus commands you, obey him. When he bids you to come out of that boat, have faith in him that he will see you through. Have faith. Having faith can sometimes just be taking that next step and being obedient to His Word. Peter got into some trouble when he lost sight of his next step. What next step has, G- has Jesus asked you to take? Faith, even in the step by step, unleashes the supernatural. Peter did not experience it until he chose to step out of the boat, until he stepped out of the comfort, until he stepped out of the known way of provision by faith. He could not see the supernatural ability that was to come. There was not evidence, nothing to see, but faith. That faith which is the evidence of things not seen. Faith proves to the mind the reality of things that cannot be seen by the physical eye. Faith is the approval for all that God has revealed. And as we continue to read in Hebrews 11, we read of many examples of people in times past who obtained a good report. Faith was the baseline of their obedience, their service, and their patient suffering. And so I reiterate to you again, faith. Faith is the baseline, the foundation, the doorpost, if you will, the beginning. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For without faith, it is impossible to be of good cheer. That good cheer, or remember, that boldness that can only enter in as our faith builds up enough to allow it to do so. With faith in Jesus comes hope, the hope for a future with him. With faith comes peace from the one who gives peace that passes understanding. With faith comes joy from the one who gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. With faith comes power, that power which only comes from on high. Hallelujah. I hope you're hearing me this morning. When Jesus says, be of good cheer, I almost see that as a seal. As a, as a seal, like when you seal a letter, that seal that only someone who tears it open gets to, gets to see it again. It's that seal, it's that glue, it's that, it's that tape, if you will. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And well, Jesus tells us, be of good cheer. And since he settled it, I can have faith in it. I have heard it. I have read it. Jesus said it. That settles it. A seal that says, no matter what, I have overcome the world. So therefore, if you trust in that, if you have faith... That Jesus has overcome the world, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be bold. Be brave. Be strong. And as James writes in what we read is chapter one, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed." you catch that? When the wind began to blow, Peter lost his way. The waves began to crash. They might have been crashing all around him already, and the wind might have begun to blow, but maybe it got to be a little too much where where Peter was like, "Uh, I don't know if I can take any other steps. I'm going to tell somebody today, I feel fit the Holy Ghost. That step that you're not taking is causing you to sink. As you keep stepping toward Jesus, hear me, as you keep stepping toward Jesus, you're not going to sink because you've got your eyes fixed on him. It's when you start to turn to the left or to the right that you begin to sink, that you begin to falter, that you begin to feel weak. Somebody's feeling weak here today because you've lost your way. You've lost your focus on Him. I want you to start focusing on Him right now at this very day. I want you to start trusting in Him like never before because He has never left you. He will never leave you nor will He ever forsake you. He's Jesus. He's our King. He's our God. He reigns forever. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He knows your every need. He knows what you're, He knows your every thought. He knows what you're going through. He sees you in the middle of your storm, and He's also going to see you through it, so long as you keep walking toward Him. The waves are going to crash all around you. The wind's going to keep blowing. It may not die down right away, but keep your focus on Him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for you to start declaring to those waves to whom you belong. It's time for you to start saying, Hey, waves, I belong to Jesus. He may be a mile away from me, but I belong to Jesus. He may be right by my side, but I belong to Jesus. These waves ain't got nothing on you, Lord. Hallelujah. There is no wave, wind, or storm that can wash away our faith if we ask in faith, nothing wavering. There are some, oh, hallelujah. You may begin to feel like you're the only one who has doubts. But I'm sorry you're not. Did you know that doubt happens? But when you feel that doubt to start to come up and out, give it to Jesus and say, help thou my unbelief. And remember, be of good cheer. The surety of Jesus overcoming the world Enables you to walk in good cheer because with Jesus you have overcome the world. And what a confidence that brings me. And I pray it brings the same confidence in you. Can I tell you that there's nothing too hard for Jesus? There's no waves too tall for Jesus. There's no sin too dirty for Jesus. There's no situation too sticky. For Jesus. Jesus paid it all, not just some, not just a little bit, not just when I feel like He does, but no, Jesus paid it all, even those things that I have yet to go through, even those th- things that I have yet to maybe fall into in Jesus' name. I want to take the next few moments as we come to a close here today, and I want us to ask God to remove anything that is wavering your faith. So let's stand all over this place. I want you to pray to him right now. You can, you can find a place to pray. You can pray where you're at, but say, Lord... Direct my heart, direct my thoughts, direct my life. Help me, oh God, to to keep my thoughts fixed on you. Go ahead and pray to them right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, we need you, oh God, to help us, oh God, if our faith begins to waver, Lord, to remind us to be of good cheer, to call on you at all times, to keep our eyes, our hearts, and our minds fixed on you and you alone. You have never let me down. You will never let me down. You lead me in your path of righteousness for your namesake oh we thank you Jesus for being that author and finisher of our faith we thank you for the victory that only comes in you we thank you that you are closer to us than anyone around us oh God that you see our every need that you know our every need and we thank you Jesus I wonder if we can just lift him up for a moment oh hallelujah let's shout the name of the Lord Jesus all over this place oh we thank you Jesus you are awesome and holy you are righteous and mighty oh Oh, hallelujah. You are great, and you are greatly to be praised. It's all right. You can let that praise resound if just for a moment. Come on. That clapping of your hands is those chains beginning to fall, those temptations beginning to cease. That faith begins to strengthen. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We praise you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're, uh, we'll come back here in about 10 minutes. The, the, the countdown will be starting. And remember, be of good cheer. Why? He has overcome the world. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You believe that today? Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.